A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Hey guys, welcome back to Swiftish. This is Shelby. And this is Ashley. Yes. The best mm-hmm. Ashley in the fandom. Um, happy to be here. <laughs> what other Ashleys are you talking about? <laughs> nothing in particular. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> um, but no, I, I've i been a little under the weather, but I knew I couldn't miss this week because we, we we're talking about You're Losing Me, which we we've been excited to talk about our listeners have been like um Hello. why are we talking about ice spice right now when you're losing me is just floating in the ether yes but- yes <laughs> we've been we've had a lot of requests and yeah. then we just kind of ignored them and we're like oh, <laughs> here's karma <laughs> we didn't ignore we just no. we just realized the relevancy of karma Remix might not be as long lasting as the continued interest in You're Losing Me. Plus, yeah. Taylor's kept this one under lock and key. Um, it was only available um, originally for the people attending her East Rutherford shows. Obviously, immediately it was shared online. And then that after those shows, she did like one digital like album release for <laughs> Not this song for the Till the Dawn edition. You could like download it for $6 for 24 hours on your website. Mm-hmm. I did not do that. I'm sorry to say. I honestly didn't see the email in time, but also I don't think I could have made myself spend $6 on an album I mostly already own. Yeah. So luckily, <laughs> there are other do you, ways. <laughs> do you want to watch isn't or wasn't under lock and key was um, Taylor Swift fearless version Hold on. Fearless Taylor's version in France. Did you hear that someone stole 10 copies out of the um, the warehouse? And, um, you know, they were selling for 25 euros and then just like Ticketmaster upped it to 50 euros. And then people found out the, the guy allegedly sold two before he was caught. And um, Oh, like got, a Speak it, Now album, speak, you mean? Oh, did I say Fearless, you guys? Yeah, I was like, wait, why? Oh. what happened? Okay, I'm <laughs> I was like, what, is this busy. even more vault tracks? But okay, okay, Speak no. Now, yeah. Sorry, guys, this is just how how Shelby has to deal with me. My mind is everywhere, <laughs> especially during the summer. I'm super busy in this big law recruiting world. Well, I mean, here I am jumping right into the song, and you're reminding me very, yeah, but, very mm-hmm. sympathetically that no, Shelby. Um, we have to talk about Taylor news first. <laughs> only one. There's only one thing because really, like, we were giving a given a lot of Taylor like news yeah. and drama and gossip that was making us like lose <laughs> sleep at night, and we're like, Taylor, you're losing us. Stop, stop. Um, but the only thing that's relevant that I thought was interesting, and I am wondering if it's going to shed the light anywhere before July seventh, is that ten copies were stolen from her. Um, from the from France in the warehouse, yeah. it was from a temporary temporary employee who stole ten, was able to sell two before he upped the price, and then authorities got him. He had been like arrested twenty five times for other things, <laughs> and he got eight months in jail. So those two copies, wow. yeah, eight months in jail because he has other he had other uh, infractions on his record. Yeah. But there are two copies floating around, which makes me wonder. Is that why last week we got, or was it the week before? My mind is all sorts of afraid why we got the Speak Now track list is because that Someone happened. leaked it. I don't know if it's Someone this story. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But people are just like, hey, was this it? We don't know. We don't know. But are we going to have leaked track vault lists? 
Interesting. So, yeah, I feel like it will be like, yeah, I'm curious who got their hands on it. I feel like if I got it, I wouldn't tell anyone. And I just, I just love that little. I know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, who did he sell it to? Who? Those two. They were, I mean, they they have to to like know, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, that's coming upon us. It's just less than a month away at this point. I'm Mm -hmm. sure she'll do a single sooner rather than later. Um, Music video too. We have that one music video of like very speak now Taylor Swift running away with some kind of like frame, which maybe it's going to be better than Revenge, which would be an interesting (laughs) single to drop with the music video. But there's vault tracks too. So Yeah. Well, and Taylor Lautner was rumored to be on that set. And Taylor Lautner was also, this is not relevant, but Olivia Rodrigo is releasing new music. Praise heavens. I'm so excited. Me too. And Taylor Lautner commented on the post because she's, it's called like Vampire Bite or something. But Taylor Lautner made some joke about like who bit you, which is funny because, yeah, (laughs) I saw a bunch of Swifties like reaching, Um, you know, everyone just needs to, you know, yes. They're too mad because the other thing that Taylor did was announce international mm-hmm. tour dates and Sabrina Carpenter is opening for her on that um, leg of her tour yeah. Um, later this summer and fall, which I love Sabrina Carpenter. I think Taylor has always been friendly with Sabrina Carpenter. Carpenter has lately been like photographed with her and like Sabrina Carpenter has talked about her. Um, but for some reason, Swifties felt like Olivia Rodrigo was owed this international tour because they're like, she's her mom. It, she's diverse. <laughs> oh, oh, well, did you see that one t- uh, TikTok that was like, um, how come she's not going to Brazil? Rodrigo, like, yeah. hello. And someone was like, uh, she's Filipino yeah, America. she's Filipino. Yeah, <laughs> she's Asian. Like, no, <laughs> that's the wrong ethnicity, babe. Yeah, um, yeah. absolutely silly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, her, you know, I understand in my head possibly why Olivia is not on tour. Well, first off, it's rumored that she is busy, but secondly, you know, there was that that drama of her. Was it? You, was a cruel summer that she took a little snippet of and told people, and then Taylor was like, she didn't "Oh, you take used a that. snippet." She said she was inspired by. I don't think if it's ever been clarified. It's honestly like such a weird blip of. But, but I'm Taylor curious to know what royalties it is. from it. So it's something that Taylor's team was like. We want she doesn't get cash. royalties. She gets uh she gets like a credit. So her and yeah, Jack oh, Antonoff okay. are credited. But, um, like, it wasn't like she would have been eligible for any awards that song would Mm -hmm. win or something. So that's why why it's weird. Why did Ronan and Olivia just stop praising I know. It's very weird. Like, he didn't even listen to Red. He didn't listen to Red. She's not – we haven't seen Olivia at any of the tours. Like, she was, like, using Mother Swift as, like, this sounding board and bouncing off of her platform. And now all of a sudden – after that happened, it was just it's cricket. So your team, you think Oh, I don't you know. Think what I Olivia, think Olivia like jilted Taylor somehow and now there's bad blood. Or do you think no. Taylor like I think got I think Olivia and was is like, upset stayed over lane. something maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And her and Ronan, who are like best friends, are like mad at Taylor, which is stupid. <laughs> but I don't know. 
Who knows? I I know. I would love to know. Social relationship with Taylor Swift. I have no idea who, who, what, when, where, how. Maybe it was, maybe she went out to dinner with Justin Bieber, just like Taylor Lautner. <laughs> I have no idea. I know. I That is some like low-key tea I would love to know because it was kind of sudden and, and very confusing. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about it at the time of like, who would have asked, like, was that some was Olivia because a lot of the fandom was like, oh, Olivia's trying to like use Taylor's name. But then other people were like, Taylor's slapping that on Olivia because she can't she can't take someone coming after. I don't know. So it's like no one really knows what's happening, but it continues to be this like feud in the fandom's frame mm-hmm. of mind where even on Olivia Rodrigo's post, I saw like Swifties being like, you just wish you were Taylor so bad. And it's like, guys, chill out <laughs> she's like well, how, how she's old is her Olivia? own singer yeah she's like in her twi- early 20s i think she, so taylor's like at least 10 to 11 to 12 years older than her like separate lanes yeah I mean, well and it's not even even if it's in the same lane your own queen taylor allison swift is like we all got crowns like you need to calm down mm-hmm. so i wish people would just like yeah. chill out and stop making up rumors but it's because it's like a content you know, queen, yeah. like nothing gets viewed yeah. as like, oh my gosh, shade. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it, I mean, it was, you know, out of everybody that Taylor could have chosen, it was Sabrina. Yeah. So it, it is It is interesting that that choice and if that choice, like whether that would have been it one way or another. Right. But I feel like the thing is, even Olivia has said like she doesn't feel any sort of bad will towards Sabrina Carpenter. Sabrina yeah. Carpenter has been like, I dated this boy for four months and I had to deal with backlash for years. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's all just like such Take petty drama Sabrina. that I can't imagine Taylor using this as some sort of Easter egg mm-hmm. because that would be so like petty, petty and immature. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think it's yeah. just, you know, she might not be buddy buddies with Olivia and that's fine. And she's just interacted with Sabrina Carpenter more. And Sabrina Carpenter just has a more open schedule. She just finished her own tour. Like, why not pop in on these shows? And if Olivia is dropping a new record, she's going to be busy promoting it, going around the world, doing her own thing. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. It only makes sense. So, I mean, I would have loved to go see Sabrina Carpenter. I love her. I I honestly really like her music. And... um, I think that'll be a fun, a fun like opener for a mm-hmm. Taylor Swift show, and um, I'm also excited to see what Olivia's new music sounds like. I think, I think it, it's great. I've still yeah. listened to Sour on and off. Yeah, coming off of that like huge, and she, like she did a tour after her first album. Like that's yeah, so rare. Like her own tour, selling out seats, selling out yeah. venues. Uh, making friends hate each other because they didn't they weren't <laughs> included in the in the little group to go to sour yeah uh, so it's interesting it, it, she has a you know and I, i'm sure she can but she has you know a bar to raise even higher yeah. uh yeah. but we do you know the, the international swifties at least latin american international swifties have their dates that's exciting it was it was probably just as stressful for us as them because people <laughs> yeah. were waiting all day to get in. Some people didn't get their um, tickets, but they did do a, I think it was at least for Brazil, people of Lover Fest. They were, they were given priority to get tickets. And so it's going to be very interesting to see um, because they announced 
additional shows in both Brazil and Argentina to see how those go. But congratulations to those international Swifties who got tickets and that she's going there. I love that. Did you try? Be honest. No, of course <laughs> not. Are you kidding me? You'll tell me offline. If you're, I'll tell you offline. You're like, mm, I'm actually going to be in uh, Brazil this round oh, no. day. Oh, you know what's actually interesting is that you can't do resale tickets in Brazil or Argentina. If you didn't oh, get tickets perfect. then, it's illegal. Um, there's no resale venues. Um, and if you do resell it, there's a chance. I was looking on Twitter that um, the, the place, the, the resale site, kind of like their ticket master will cancel if you if you transfer oh, it. Interesting. And um, yeah, and if you do get tickets from someone, there's a slight chance it might be a scam. Yeah. But well, we do have our 10-year anniversary coming up. So I'll see where else <laughs> she is going in the world. See where we're yeah, celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Good plan. Um, <laughs> because yeah, her tour dates does have like a weird it's like yeah. she goes to Brazil or Mexico first. Goes Mexico first and then Mexico she goes first, and then she to, has like a two month break. And then she goes to Argentina and then she goes to Brazil, I believe. I think around Brazil or it might be flip flop, but around like Thanksgiving time she's at one of them. Like yeah, that. so she has like a couple months off, which is interesting. She needs. I know, but I somehow Girl. feel like those are gonna be um It's gonna take enough with like dates. Spain or Europe yeah, yeah, all those places like we'll London. See. Yeah. Yeah. She's never going to London again. I mean, I've already (laughs) been, I've already been to Ireland to see her and London and Paris. I've traveled there and Italy and Germany. So I won't be seeing her in those locations. (laughs) So maybe Spain. (laughs) You'll get there. Um, (laughs) No, I love that. But anyways, yes, you're losing me. (laughs) Mm, We're back on it. Back to that. Um, Yeah. We talked a little about a little bit about it last week because obviously mm-hmm. it had been released and there'd been some, you know, headline grabbing stuff, mostly about how this reframes Midnight's the album for some listeners. I don't really feel like it does that for me. I think if anything, this song and its existence in her catalog of many a love song proves that, you know, relationships, especially long ones like that, you have so many like feelings involved so many highs and lows so many like good times bad times so many like just a huge breadth and depth of emotion Mm -hmm. that you can write these songs and they coexist in the same relationship like you can feel the giddiness and excitement of something like Paris or Glitch or Gorgeous and then also deal with like the the trauma of and hope of the great war or cool summer or you know Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't feel to me like it um, means everything on Midnight's is actually a breakup track or like somehow alludes to the same disconnect that she explores in You're Losing Me. Like I think Sweet Nothing, I think I think Mastermind, they were at their time written from a perspective of someone who was feeling in love, who was feeling empowered by it. Um, but I'm curious how you feel like having time to – to kind of sit with it if you feel like it's changed your mind on some songs we've talked about already. Um, I know we had talked about Maroon possibly being about Joe. And when you had said like, oh, it's about Joe, I was like, oh, like, I don't think so. Cause you know, they're in this committed loving relationship. There's no way it's about Joe, but looking at Maroon in a different light, mm. I definitely 
do think it is about Joe because maybe that's where she was grappling with this, these feelings of like being not enough, you know, mm-hmm. because Maroon, we talked about this Maroon, you marooned on an island. Someone's losing, you're losing someone, yeah. you're leaving you. Like th- th- there have always been signs, I think not only in this album, but since lover and even reputation where it's like, okay, they're, they obviously haven't had like, and we know they've had a like rocky situation. So yeah. it's not surprising that there are rocky situations weaved into midnight about their relationship. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that's a, it, like when she made it, that it was a breakup album, but she was still grab grappling with some feelings like in lavender haze. Like she is like, Oh, you know, this is like 1950s. I got this you know, vibe from Mad Men. It's about being in love and wearing these like goggles. But you also have the beginning of that music video, them in bed, not even like looking at each other, turned away from each other, looking up at the ceiling. Like it's not like a, you don't get like all those like prickles when you listen to Lover. So you do definitely see like throughout mm. this album, it's still weaved that they've, they have these, they're not wearing rose colored glasses, mm. but but also, like, there's uh, different relationships weaved in all different places throughout this album. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, like, easy to want to say, especially when she goes so hard so fast in that relationship with Maddie Healy, that, oh, they've been broken up a long time. Oh, they've been on the rocks a long time. And I can see it being, like, a slow devolve. Like, this song to me does feel like it's pointing out, like, she was slowly dying in it. Um mm-hmm. And that love was kind of dying, too. But I just feel like with the timeline as we know it, And, like, I will always come back to the fact that she changed out Invisible String right before the news broke. Yeah. And I just think that means that that was the final nail in the coffin. Not when she was filming the the Lavender Haze music video. Not when she was Mm -hmm. promoting Midnight's. Like, I think there was a part of her hoping, working, believing that this would be her, you know, forever man still. Um, Because too much happened in that, like, March, April window that seemed to imply sort of this finalizing of an mm-hmm. end. And um, cause you know, she, she, if she'd already been broken up with him when they filmed the music video for Lavender Haze, then that was like in the summer. Right. So then every promotional video she did, like the Midnight's Mayhem with me would have been post-mortem, but then she deleted those ones where she talked about Lavender Hayes yeah. after their breakup was confirmed and after she was seen with Maddie Healy. Yeah. And, that, and I'm just not saying that she was broken up in Lavender Hayes. I'm just saying that like, Oh yeah. It's like weaved within, within there that, you know, they had definitely haven't always been on like yes. firm solid ground. So I, I am with you on that. I do believe that though, that they were broken up, before she switched invisible string to uh to the one I do think you know we we're always I feel like a month or two or three I don't know behind yeah celebrity breakups especially with Taylor Swift because she is a mastermind and she yeah. knows how to and when to and she tries to control that narrative which good for her I would too it's my if it was my yeah. life um but it's very interesting to to know what happened and I also find it very interesting how fast she released this breakup album because usually it's like okay i broke up with taylor swift in in the speak now era so i have to wait for red you're just kind of like biting to the quick of your of your fingers just thinking like what is she gonna write about me how am i gonna be portrayed in this in her next album but she was like i'm just i'm releasing something now it could be on the next album but no this is where it is yeah so 
it's I think it was a smart yeah it was a good strategy like it was mm-hmm. probably also an emotionally led one because oh like I said there seemed to be some reactiveness maybe in how she was processing or getting ahead of the story or whatnot or feeling about it like because when she says this is from the vaults maybe she was working on a draft of it but ultimately I do feel like a lot of it is post Mm -hmm. you know I don't think this was something fully formed like you know nothing new or Mr. Perfectly Fine where she literally just is like oh yeah I forgot I wrote this one two years ago let me pop it out now like I think this is her processing in real time almost the demise of a relationship that she's spent six years, four albums kind of musing about. Um, And so it does make it interesting to see what she alludes to, the similar images she pulls up, the sound, the feeling, the story. And a good reminder that even when Taylor is being personal, even when she is sharing her narrative, like her diaries, they're always going to be a little bit unreliable yeah yeah (laughs) because it's like you know I think it's I think it's fascinating to watch the fandom turn from like oh I can't believe they broke up this was her forever like he made he built a fire just to keep her warm like yes like you don't have to say but you'll learn like there's been all this like idea idealizing of him as a partner for her and it's just positive 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 and then with one song she's able to like draw that all into question and so I think it's a good reminder that so many artists like whether that's writers singers whether that's comedians like yes they pull on their real feelings and their real life experiences but it'll always be a limited POV for us to dial into because they're choosing what to share and from what perspective and yeah, and they're also like very interesting. creating something for us. So there are going to be yes. things that are changing because what's going to sonically sound better? This lyric that says the truth or maybe a word right here that kind of morphs it into like a different story that actually happened. Yeah. So like, and we don't need to blame Taylor. I don't think she is trying to manipulate us, which is right. dumb to even think about it. She is writing a song and she is creating it, morphing it into what will sound best and what will be received best. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so it's like, that's the thing that I go back to is she could be so in love. She could think like, oh, please don't ever leave me. You know, she could be like, this is my, I love my London boy. Like all of that could coexist in the same frame of mind as someone being like, how come you can't tell I'm angry? How come you can't see I'm sick? Like, how come you're not giving me what I need? And I think that's we so often want to believe we totally understand Taylor a hundred percent, but we just don't. And I think this song coming out in the wake of an album pretty full of love songs towards Joe and others um, is a good reminder for us that it's like we got to take everything with a grain of salt and just appreciate it for the art it is, mm-hmm. and not just like a series of Easter eggs that reveal some secret you know truth that happened july 9th at 3 a.m you know (laughs) but she did such a great job at um tying older songs from different albums even like two current songs into this album and not only that like is it sonically i don't know what it is lyrically match up cornelia street and this song like at least at the beginning when you play them side by side it's like someone's like she sings a song and like she answers it and it sounds like 
really well. So you know that that like there are there's some intention yes, behind definitely. the production, how she wrote it, um, her inspiration from this. So there are no, Easter exactly. eggs. But they're Easter eggs like slap you in the face Easter <laughs> eggs. And like, you know, the let's make a pin board and see who like who's the real serial killer. Yeah. And I think for sure this is like this isn't one where I'm like this isn't like folklore evermore where you're like this probably isn't based on her real life. Like this is very clearly about Joe. It very yeah. clearly like calls and answers previous songs. Like you said, there's mm-hmm. a lot of references to their their musical history. Um but I think it's just interesting that this song's existence suddenly has people going back and being re-exploring Lavender Haze and that song, mm-hmm. that line about marriage or Midnight Rain and what that could be about. So I think I think that's what's interesting is kind of how much power a single song can have to like flip our perspective on an entire um, conversation. And um, I think that's part of probably why she released it um, is to get people off her back about like, what happened with Joe and also probably to protect Joe in a way, because mm-hmm. to me at least this song doesn't feel like as vicious or as heartbroken. Like it's sad, but it's it is, not like, it is sad. Like heartbroken is like not he, the right word, but it's, it's not, not like, like he's, he did anything. It's yeah. not vindictive. It's not petty. Yeah. He didn't do anything too serious it's not like yeah they he just kind of stopped fighting for something that yeah. she was still holding out for yeah and that's what a lot of like critics think like they respect about this song is kind of the um the heartbreak and emotion without digging into like this kind of what exactly went went wrong like it's not gossipy there's no mic drop moments it's not accusation or fingers pointed or being like you did this this is your bad like you know it's not mr perfectly fine it's not dear john it's much more deep and kind of Mm -hmm. like vague but also extremely emotionally like explicit you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) it captures a very frank like confessional feeling of a time in a relationship that I think many people can relate to um so should we get into it (laughs) yeah let's get into it okay so um the first verse you say I don't understand I say I know you don't we thought a cure would come through in time now I fear it won't Remember looking at this room, we loved it because of the light. Now I just sit in the dark and wonder if it's time. Do I throw out everything we built or keep it? I'm getting tired even for a phoenix, always rising from the ashes, mending all her gashes. You might have just dealt the final blow. And you mentioned um, Cornelia Street, and I think it's mm-hmm. very, very similar. She also starts with like a, a release of breath, um, which some people have been like, oh and ready for it she clears her throat and here she lets like her breath go it's the beginning and end of their time together Mm -hmm. kind of the perfect bookends and then it also reminded me of wildest dreams yeah where she you know because so much of the song is a heartbeat in the background um and she famously sampled her heartbeat yeah but different like different feelings from them because like wildest dream it's like not like that a quicker more excited and then this one it's just kind of like it's We're fading. Gonna call it. Yeah. She's gonna die. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's intentional because like 
wildest dreams is all about like it's literally at the beginning of a relationship but even in that like peak of emotional like release taylor is still thinking about the end and i think it's really telling and poetic and a beautiful choice of her to be at the end and kind of feel like I knew this was coming like it always ends this way for me which is so yeah. like sad but I think it's clever of her to like tie those songs together because yeah. it's like yeah say you'll remember me because that's all we have now type thing yeah and like when you listen to Wildest Dreams like say you remember me it's still kind of like you're still gonna look back on it fondly mm-hmm. like I think she's still gonna look back at the moments I had in their relationship you know with, with some she has some love for him. So with some fondness, because he did help her grow in ways that like she needed then there now. I mean, she might be bitter, uh, not bitter, but she might be like upset at some of the things that caused it to end. But I don't feel like, you know, like you were saying that this is vindictive or petty or like, look what you did. Yeah. Cause even like the beginning where it's like, you say, I don't understand. And I say, I know you don't like, that's not, that's not a healthy communication, right? Like that's not, Mm That's not really – to me, that's two people at odds. Like there's already this defensiveness yeah. or this gap that they can't bridge. And like, oh, so we thought opposite. a cure would come through, but like now I don't. Yeah, it's opposite because in peace, give the silence that only comes when two people understand each yeah. other. Like they, there's such a gap in where they were two, three years ago where they are now. Like the silence was welcoming – and yeah. that's that era of her life. But now it's like there is a silence and they don't understand each other. They don't know what to say to each other. Mm-hmm. I know. And that's why this this song does feel like you just want to like sit in it and like analyze every line. Because even this like looking at this room, we loved it because of the light. Now I just sit in the dark and wonder if it's time. Obviously, it reminds you of the very like physical memories of Cornelia Street. Mm-hmm. Um where they do have this like safe haven they've created but it's also like in daylight she sings about like I've been sleeping so long in a 20-year dark night and now I see daylight I only see daylight and daylight is this idea that like love is golden like love has given her Mm -hmm. more insight into life and herself and now she's like back in the dark which is also like death by a thousand cuts that idea of looking in on something and being like how did we how did we lose this when it was such a good thing like how are we how are we killing ourselves when there isn't like an actual like moment like even in the end when she says like oh always writing from the ashes mending all our gashes you might have just dealt the final blow there isn't like that accusation of like yes you did deal with the final blow it's just like is this this is this a straw that breaks the camel's back like is this mm-hmm. the last paper cut like is this the final straw and um I think that makes it like so much sadder in a way because there isn't this like death blow. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, we kind of fell apart here. Yeah, because at the beginning of this verse, it's like, you say I don't understand. So basically, obviously he's telling Taylor, I don't understand. And she says, I know you don't. And at the end, you might just have the, dealt the final blow. So mm-hmm. you can kind of see this give and take of both of them are doing things that aren't really received well by the other one. So I was really yeah. like kind of like, oh, I like wonder like who is she saying that he's the reason they're like she's dying and this love is dead or is it something she's done? Because, you know, the beginnings like you say, I don't understand. And I say, no, you don't. It's like kind of like when you're like, I'm breaking up with you. You know, I, I 
feel like we're not going anywhere. And the person's yeah. like, I don't understand. And then she goes on to be like, you don't understand. Like you weren't working for this, but it's, yeah. it seems like they weren't really communicating well towards yeah. the end. Well, and that's like why this imagery of the Phoenix, I think is so emotive for her because she's famously someone who's like constantly reinventing herself, constantly doing this like rebirth in her branding and her work and her music. But also like there's so much language around that like 2016 era and the, the, the rising from the ashes. Like I think about her poems from that um, reputation era so much. And just like this idea that at the time it was seen as such a strength of hers, like, you know, she comes back, she'll always come back. Like she's strong. She can do it. She can do it. But I think as you look back at her discography, there are these moments where she's like, man, I'm just too soft for it all. You know, like I'm Mm -hmm. too tired and I can't be expected to keep in her mind carrying the weight, dealing with the like, I don't know, changing herself, morphing herself, giving so much of herself and feeling like she's not getting the support in return. Um, Mm -hmm. Because that's that's what it ultimately feels like here. It does, yeah. Um, You're like wondering. It just makes you wonder so much stuff. It's like, Joe, you can't be surprised at all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then the chorus, it slows down. You hear the heartbeat. She says, stop, you're losing me. Stop, you're losing me. Stop, you're losing me. I can't find a pulse. My heart won't stop anymore for you because you're losing me. Right? Oh, yeah. My heart won't start anymore for you because you're losing me. Which, again, is sort of this inversion of Cornelia Street where she sings, I hope I never lose you, hope it never ends. And now she's like, okay, this is it. You're losing me. Like, I can't find that love anymore. You're losing me. She hasn't said you lost me. So where she was in this mindset was there's still a chance, but you're not doing anything. Yeah. You're letting you you're letting it die. Like if you gave me any hope hope of it all, I would probably resuscitate. Yeah. And still be with you. Yeah. Which is really heartbreaking. Yes. And I think too and earlier in her career Taylor might have been tempted to kind of lean into that as like you're the problem. Mm-hmm. You little bastard. <laughs> like, you know, I think there's room here to really judge him and like any partner who gets this sort of song, you do feel like, wow, are you being a good partner? Are you neglecting her? Like it seems like maybe there is a chance here to make it better, but it also like she holds back her punches, I guess. Like it doesn't feel as mm-hmm. like vicious and it's much more just kind of sad and and hurt and kind of like I can't believe after all this it came down to this, like just kind of a faded – heartbeat as you realize like that love isn't as golden anymore it's not but I do really wish that we knew why after every single time she was hanging out with her new friends after the breakup they they unfriended him on social media like there's so much more to this story like Ryan Brian Reynolds goes from like writing this uh this piece about how awesome Joe is and how he's gonna be the next rising star I can see it and then they go out to lunch or dinner with Taylor and then they both unfriend him so I'm just wondering like there has to be so much more I know she's not giving <laughs> yeah it's possible but yeah you know uh, okay, yeah well she Sorry. gives a little more insight in verse two 
Um, she says, every morning I glared at you with storms in my eyes. How can you say that you love someone you can't tell is dying? I sent you signals and bit my nails down to the quick. My face was gray, but you wouldn't admit that we were sick. And the air is thick with loss and indecision. I know my pain is such an imposition. Now you're running down the hallway and you know what they all say. You don't know what you got until it's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is just packed with a lot because, I mean – Obviously, um, I think about like, you know, in Lavender Haze, she sings like, oh, you don't really read into my melancholia. And that's like seen as like a good thing. And we talked about that when we first talked about the song where it's like, oh, like maybe he's, you know, like there's like a there's like an element there that's like that could be refreshing for someone who might just be blue sometimes. But here she's like. No, I was sick, like, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't admit it. Like, I was gray. I was dying, and you don't even, like, see it. And, like, how can you say that you love someone you can't tell is dying? That's, like, a really brutal, I don't know, accusation, yeah. like, lying to to Like, he's aloof. <laughs> he's aloof to what's going on. It kind of reminds me of tolerate it. You know, she wants her love to be celebrated by him. Yeah. But – he just seems in this verse like he's just tolerating it. He's not taking her seriously. He's not trying to go deeper and seeing like, oh, why are you depressed? Why, why are you giving me those he's those like, glares? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, oh, better not dig in, you know. And mm-hmm. that's why it's interesting too that so much of this verse mirrors the song that they wrote together on folklore. Exile, which at the time we were like, why are these two lovers writing this really yeah. sad <laughs> breakup yeah. song? So um, many signs. <laughs> yeah, where they're literally like emphasizing these opposing perspectives where it's like, you never gave a warning sign. I gave so many signs. Like it's literally like they're able to communicate that in that song, but for some reason she's drawing it here as like we weren't doing that in real life. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating. It kind of reminds me of like in exile, like I gave so many signs, like the signs she was giving weren't picked up because she was glaring at him. She, her face was gray. She wasn't talking to him. And I'm like, I feel like at least within my relationship with my husband, like I can be huffy puffy and I'm like, how come he doesn't notice I'm, I'm like, I'm sad or mad or, and he's someone who's like, tell it to me straight. If you're mad at me, say, Hey, this is what's wrong. We need to talk about it. So, like, she was more giving off the vibe. And it seems like in this verse, like, staring at him, giving him the silent treatment. And Joe was like, okay, guess I'm not going to rock the boat here. (laughs) Yeah. And, well, that's why I think the reading between Lavender Hayes and this is a fascinating one because it does feel almost like two sides to a coin of the person who's in a relationship where she's – she has to dial down on what she wants and, like – not like change her mind, but kind of convince herself that she didn't actually want something in the first place. Like, oh, uh, all they really want from me is this 1950s shit. Like, why won't they stop asking me about marriage? Like, what is the big deal? But then mm-hmm. also in this song, you see someone who's really struggling with like this loss and indecision. Like, and I think the, that word choice is so fascinating because so much of her of her songs over the last six albums or whatever we've gotten, the four albums, I guess, um, are like, there's so much in there about indecision or a lack of confidence or kind of an insecurity or lack of assuredness where she's like, hmm, like, 
will we always be this close? Like, and some of that is definitely her own anxiety, her own like baggage. But there's also like this idea that maybe they weren't on the same page about every single thing. And we'll see more of that in like the bridge and whatnot. But I think Mm -hmm. the the idea that there was a tension in their relationship around loss and around indecision. Like, you know, you could read loss into this idea that, oh, he didn't like the public side of her life or like she had to close off so much of herself from being social, from being seen, from being with friends and isolating herself because they wanted to be private or this indecision around like, are we getting married? Is this a serious thing? Do we want to be married? Like, are they, you know, like obviously Mm -hmm. there's things we don't know, but I think that that, is a really interesting word choice. And then to pair it with now you're running down the hallway, like she always uses hallways as sort of this like transition. Transition. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. like in Maroon, you were standing hollow eyed in the hallway. It's the ending. Yeah. It's the like, uh, and um, the moment I knew she runs down the hall cause she can't, her friends follow her down the hall because she can't like pretend anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And it just feels like there's this, there's this moment where she's like, oh, like you have to make the choice. You have to decide which direction you're running. Are you running away from me or are you running towards me to like save me, to resuscitate this? And I think that's why ending on a cliche, like you don't know what you got until it's gone is like a reminder that it's like, it should be that simple. Like it should have been an obvious answer and it wasn't. Yeah. Someone on TikTok had mentioned something. I compared this, especially this pre-chorus to, you know, someone in the hospital Mm. and, you know, they're doing CPR and it's kind of like that, that, that moment, that pivotal moment where you're like, you have power of attorney. You can decide Mm. whether we're going to try and resuscitate this person and, you know, bring them back to life or if you want to let it go. And, you know, you're like a lot of these hard conversations are done in the hallway, just like you said, those transitional moments. And uh, obviously from here, it's, you know, Joe decides not to resuscitate it and bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Because um, she's saying, stop, you're losing me. Stop, you're losing me. Stop, you're losing me. I can't find a pulse. My heart won't start anymore for you because you're losing me. You're losing me. Stop, stay because you're losing me. Oh, I think that's interesting because when you're first listening to the song and it's like, stop, you're losing me. It's like, oh, well, what is he doing? Like, what What should he stop? Yeah. Oh, I I maybe. I didn't even catch it because that's even sadder. Like, stay. I think it's just in the background. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's like even more heartbreaking to me. I know. I mean, I don't have the song. I just want to have genius lyrics (laughs) because. Someone hasn't released it on iTunes. So that's even more heartbreaking. Like this yeah. day, you're yeah. losing me. It's kind of like that that last, and especially since you said it's like in the background, the last like yeah. cry for help that's like really distant. Yeah. Because then she, she the, the heartbeat kind of like pulls back so she can go into this really like kind of effervescent bridge where she's, it's yeah, a lot it's more bridge. like, it, sound, it sounds far away. Like she... There's a distance to the, like, I don't know. I just like how it's produced where it feels almost ethereal where she's kind of like, it feels like she's gone, right? Like it's not as intimate as she's been singing it before. It definitely like rises up, feels a little bit more produced. And she sings, how long could we be 
a sad song till we were too far gone to bring back to life. I gave you all my best me's, my endless empathy, and all I did was bleed as I tried to be the bravest soldier. Fighting in only your army, front lines, don't you ignore me. I'm the best thing at this party. And I wouldn't marry me either, a pathological people pleaser who only wanted you to see her. And I'm fading, thinking, do something, babe. Say something, babe. Lose something, babe. Risk something. You're losing me. Choose something, babe. I got nothing to believe unless you're choosing me. Hmm. Ouch. <laughs> and the way she goes, do something, babe. Say something. You can yeah. see that she's like, she she knows she's losing it, but she's still going to fight for it. And it's like that yeah. desperation in her voice. Like, tell me this was all worth it. Tell me that you still want me. Like, we we can still survive yeah. this great war or World yeah. War II, if you will, <laughs> yeah. because this is not the Great War. This is World War II. Yes. Yeah. No, it was heavy. Like, when I first heard it, I was like, Ugh. Like, it's, you know, there's, like, always going to be this conversation of, like, oh, can any song top all too well is her saddest? Like, oh, and I don't think this song totally gets there for me, but I do think mm-hmm. this bridge is like oh, transcendent yeah. in a way that we haven't gotten probably since Death by a Thousand Cuts for me personally, um, mm-hmm. where you just like feel her lay it all out there. Like it's like, it's absolutely brutal. And she just like packages it all in. Like it's, And it's so referential to like songs of their past where you're like, you're just reminded of how good they were. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it's like, oh, wait, this is reminding me of the Great War where I thought they had finally like crossed the bridge and they were better. Or like, oh, this is reminding me of Maroon where it's like, what is the greatest legacy you can leave? And like, there's Mm -hmm. so much here that I'm like, damn, like, were we reading it wrong or is she saying that she read it wrong so often and she was twisting herself in pretzels being like, Oh, this isn't something I want. I wouldn't marry me either. Like, you know, like there's so much here. And I think that tension is, uh, is, um, intentional where she's like, yeah, this was a mess. Like do something, choose something. I got nothing. And then she's like, I got nothing to believe unless you're choosing me. Like, I think she realizes in this, end in this crescendo that she's like I put so much in what we had that maybe I lost or gave up too much of myself to really make this like um viable like it was Mm -hmm. not going to work because she just spread herself so thin in the desperation to like believe in them above everything yeah and what she's sacrificing her who she was and making different decisions because of him like I I don't know Taylor but I do from like her songs and from just seeing her past relationships I do get a vibe that she does make you know those those I don't know what it's called she makes decisions that you know based off of how she thinks it'll be perceived by her lover you know, like, and I, I, I'm not saying that's bad for her because I've done the same thing too. You know, you, it's kind of like in blank space where she was like, I'll, I'll be that girl who you want for a month. Like she admits there, she's like, I'm trying to please them by, mm-hmm. you know, adapting their personality, their thought process, their belief. So it's, and I totally get it. Yeah. Like that. How long could we be a sad song till we were too far gone to bring back to life? I think that's so fascinating because again, the only songs he's credited on well, I guess he did Sweet Nothing too, but in Folklore and Evermore are like some of the saddest, like sad songs. And 
um, Zane Lowe on the Apple interview like asked her about it and he's like, yeah, we just, we really love sad songs. It's something we bonded over. We just love sad songs. Yeah. And I think to offer that kind of Easter egg, which feels flippant to call it, but like Mm -hmm. to tie it back to that, to be like, maybe there was, maybe we were both like too blue to really make this work. Maybe we were both looking for something in each other that wasn't enough to save us and to like keep us. And, Mm -hmm. and I think the plurality of her saying, I gave you all my best me's kind of proves that she was in this mindset of survival. Like she was just like trying on hats to see what sticks to, to give him her all so that she could like feel secure for once in a relationship Mm -hmm. that she's been desperate to feel throughout her life. It's what she needed then and clung on so desperately. But Joe, I promise you'll never find another like her. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) You know, with all the like little Easter eggs in in here of Lover and some other songs, it's like, oh, the best of me's. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of singing in my head. I know it's probably not intentional, but I was like, I did not think of it. I honestly forgot that that song existed. (laughs) I know you did. I know. But yeah, I think like this, my endless empathy, not just sympathy, not just like, oh, I feel sorry for you, but oh, I feel exactly how you feel. Like this giving of yourself to mm-hmm. validate someone else's emotional needs and feeling which, like that's not returned. Which makes sense on what I was trying to like purvey. I don't know if I'm, that's the right word at the, when we're talking about this, like maybe it's her empathy. So she like, she has empathy. So she's feeling what her partners are feeling. Yeah. She's like agreeing with them because of, she's an empath. Yeah. And the, the, like, obviously the great war imagery here, mm-hmm. fighting in only your army front lines. Don't you ignore me? I try to be the bravest soldier. All I did was bleed. Like there's so much like tension there and frustration. It's not even like a full, line right like fighting your only mm-hmm. army front lines don't you ignore me like it's all over the place and you can yeah. feel that kind of like exasperation and it's interesting to remember that he was the one left on the ground bleeding in the great war and she realized like oh i've been wasting your honor like what how do i fix this for you and now she's like but wait you didn't do the same for me like mm-hmm. and then to flip it to be like i'm the best thing at this party party oh, but I wouldn't marry me either. Like there's just like this, such a fascinating dichotomy in how she sees herself where she wants to be bejeweled. She wants to believe like, you know, she's the best thing at the party. She has that like self-confidence and that need to live that. But then at the same time, she's, you know, constantly self-effacing. She's like, oh, I'm a covert narcissist. I'm a mirror ball. I'm the anti-hero. I'm a cursed, I'm a cursed man. Like you should find another guiding light. And I think it's interesting to see that posited as I'm a pathological people pleaser yeah. um, because it is interesting to think of if people were criticizing Taylor Swift, is that is that what they'd accuse her of? I don't think so, but that's how she sees it, is that she's constantly shifting herself to get people to like her like in Mirrorball or to see her or validate her like an antihero. And like to her – she has shifted so much of herself to be the nice girl, to be the person people like, to present a brand and palatable package that people will accept and engage with. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, like, and that, and that's enough for you to say, no, thanks. Like, I'm not going to take this, even though that's literally all she has to give, right? In her mind. Yeah. I, I, you know how you said she's a mirror ball? 
you know, she's this thing that, you know, reflects what other people want to see. And then it kind of puts a little light at maybe why their relationship didn't last. Because if she's this people pleaser and she's just showing Joe what she thinks he wants to see, you know, he doesn't really know her. And maybe yeah. that, that caused a gap is because, you know, they were together for so long and maybe half of that time she was being this mirror ball. And then yeah. when that facade, 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 yeah, facade, yeah. The facade kind of wore off and not that it was bad, like not let, you know, who she is is ineptly bad, but he was like, I, I don't, I don't know you, mm. um, yeah. where, you know, he's just kind of, maybe it wasn't COVID. Maybe it was just time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's why it's like the do something, choose something is sad, but like the lose something, babe, risk something yeah. like breaks my heart because it's like. To feel like you're the one giving something, to feel like you're the one who's lost or compromised or risked it all for someone. Like she definitely changed her entire life, probably for the better at that at that turning point in her it. career. Yeah. Like she just disappeared. She immediately was like in hiding. And that's how she framed it throughout lovers. Like I just needed to batten down the hatches. I just needed to go somewhere. And I think that's what's like the saddest here is that he, in her mind, she's not seeing him give up anything for her. She's not seeing him risk something for her. No, of course not, Shelby. He, <laughs> he got such a great deal out of this. Like he didn't risk anything. Yeah. He, he got, he probably got more uh, modeling gigs, more roles <laughs> because of the doors that she opened. She yeah. was risking so much more. And it kind of like puts you in the spot of like, say 2016 never happened. Say there was no, you know, th- there was no like snap gate. There was nothing like that. If they were in the uh, same room together, <laughs> would she have been drawn to him? This, this, yeah. this palette that she could, you know, just paint over and just kind of like, make their tapestries their own um two different artistries but that's okay um <laughs> so it just makes makes you wonder yeah you know like of course he wasn't she was risking everything and it's something she needed then like you'd said yeah well and like i think about their last song written together sweet nothing um where they wrote like outside their push and shoving you're in the kitchen humming all that you ever wanted from me was sweet nothing and a lot of people, when this first came out, was like, oh, is this from the perspective of Joe? Is he the, is he singing to Taylor about that? Or is Taylor singing to Joe about that? And I think to have a song that's so insistent that like, oh, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. To her being more honest and like, no, I have so much more to give than nothing. Like, I have so much more mm-hmm. I need than nothing. Like, I think this song will be fascinating to um remember as we like revisit old songs or consider new songs like I just think it's a good reminder that like life is a lot more complicated than we want to admit and like that includes as the person in it like we want to believe the love stories and the happy endings and the movies we've never seen before and like all these like picturesque like oh fairy tale moments which you can have in a relationship But she's like, but there's also this give and take there that if you're too wrapped up in the presentation of a thing, you kind of lose the foundation. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the sad part here is that, yes, he he failed to show up as she needed him to, but maybe it was also there's a realization that she 
didn't know what she needed until it was too late type thing. And maybe didn't know how to communicate it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. And maybe at the beginning what she wanted, cause think you change within six years. Yeah. Maybe her needs at the beginning of the relationship weren't the same at the end. And he, he didn't want to give that because that's not what he was looking for in a relationship. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I come back to the marriage thing because she has sung about it so regularly in her songs since I they've been like together. I shiny things yeah. marry you with paper rings. And yeah. then the only kind of girl they see is a <laughs> one night or a wife. I'm just kind of like, what was his ideations of marriage? Like, what yes. did he want? Like, what did like, she he want? He was like, setting the pace somehow, or he was like yes. laying down the rules or being like, whoa, we don't need that. And she's like, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, maybe she was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah like, we can still be in a partnership, but not have like a, not have to like sign a contract or yeah. like, you know, yeah, make it legal. Yeah. And it's like she wanted to please him over having mm-hmm. her needs met because she wasn't really in a place to like realize what her needs were. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that was a, yep. that was a very, even at the time, I was like, damn, to get into a serious relationship at that point, like to write these poems where you're like, I was drowning, then I looked up and I saw you. Like, that's a lot to put on a person. Especially since yes. you don't know that person yet. And like you had six years and I'm sure like in happiness, they were good. They were full. They were rich. And there will might be a version of her that can forgive what was lost. But it's like right now she's still sad that she yeah. that she gave up so much that she felt like she was wasting his honor. And now she's like, but wait, like you saw I wasn't happy and did you even like try to like fix it for me? Like were you even fighting for me the way I was for you? Sad. I love though that you brought up that it was a lot of pressure to put on him. Yeah. Like, you know, she was looking up for that savior and then Joe was there and it, it, yeah, that, uh, you know, put yourself back in Taylor Swift in 2016. She's looking for someone to, not not like a white horse, not like a shiny knight in armor, but that is well. I didn't even think about that. That's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, but maybe just, he didn't notice he was getting into like, and then it just you know I don't know. Well, and I just think you can't like she couldn't process. She couldn't process what she needed. Plus, she's in a yeah. totally different place now where she feels more secure. She like feels mm-hmm. more, you know, like folklore and evermore. She talks about being such a huge creative rebirth for her that Mm -hmm. she's like oh I don't have to worry so much about like relevancy or numbers or popularity but then she's still got all that too and so Mm -hmm. I think it's like they've had a very big six years like her life has shifted like (laughs) 60 degrees like she was at her lowest now she's you know she's like she's been able to go through these peaks and valleys and I think that's a lot to process on any relationship but especially such an isolated one where Mm -hmm. they've talked about being in this bubble and it's like is the lavender haze enough for a relationship to subsist on and like clearly no she needed more meat she needed more something there to feel like they could survive um outside of that haze yeah 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 so pretty sad um and she kind of just she she doesn't do another verse or outro really she does one outro where she sings you're losing me stop 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 you're losing me stop 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 you're losing me i can't find a pulse my heart won't start anymore Mm. and it just fades and it's done and it's sad (laughs) 
And it's it, sad. It, it is. is. Period. It's just sad. I mean, and I, again, I like the emotional maturity here. I think she is like learning a lot about herself and learning about what love is, what she needs from it. Mm-hmm. And that's why this maybe feels more devastating than some of her bigger hits because there's an honesty here and kind of a emotional intelligence where it's like, oh, there's just like a lot falling apart but it's not necessarily like one big moment that destroyed it all, you know? Or necessarily like one person's fault too. Yeah. 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 So I'll be curious to know like if she ever performs this, when she'll release it as a digital or like if this is what we'll expect from a new album. Um, It felt almost like, cathartic for her to release it it feels like Mm -hmm. yeah well ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i know i yeah i was sad to see she played hits different without me there because i love hits different i think hits different is also interesting to think about in the context of this song because it does feel more what did she break up with hits different oh i don't remember all right so like they're always like breathe or something Oh, I think it was breathe. It was because people were like very upset that they like yeah. those together. Yeah. Because those two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so I think, yeah, you're losing me. We'll see how it stands the test of time. Um, but it, w- it was kind of surprising. Um, I kind of maybe it, it definitely like, yeah, it, as far as like her big breakup songs go, it feels almost the most heartbroken, which isn't surprising. Um, yeah. But kind of the least uh, defensive, maybe. Yeah, not defensive at all. Yeah. Mm, well, on that note, well, <laughs> do we want to – I'm interested in what's your favorite lyric? What's the tailor of it all for oh you? Oh, my gosh. You're right. I forgot. Um, yes. Okay. Mine is, and I wouldn't marry me either, path- no. pathological people pleaser. I feel like that's very just like my favorite and just Taylor, 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 Taylor. Yeah. I like the I'm getting tired even for a phoenix always rising from the ashes because mm-hmm. I think, again, she just has a, a cute self-awareness in some ways. She's like, man, I can't keep doing this to myself. <laughs> like it's too much for one person and I hope she Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I know it's kind of like it's kind of like a uh, it's like a very sad ending of the podcast right now because I'm like I can't like I have no energy I have no energy um you know we we talked about the easter eggs throughout yeah the songs um so I don't need to get that what would you give the song on a grade I'd definitely give it an A Mm -hmm, um I haven't listened to it as much because it's, like, hard to listen to, obviously. Um, Like, I mean, it's not physically out there for me to listen to. Yeah. It's not accessible, I should say. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's an A. Yeah, I like it. I feel like I can't decide if it's an A+, because for me, I'll just always gravitate towards something like Death by a Thousand Cuts or All Too Well. But it's, like, when you peel back the layers on this song, it is, like, very beautifully written – I do mm-hmm. like the production of it, the heartbeat of it, like the imagery of this, like you're losing him, like type. Yeah. There's a commitment to the bit, if you will. <laughs> yeah, there is. 
Um, and who knows, like you said, who's no, who knows if it's going to make tour, if it's going to be one of the surprise songs, it'll be really yeah. sad. Yeah. It'll be a little sad surprise song, yeah. I think. But she's, you know, she's going through a lot of her her albums and people are like crossing them off the list, all the songs that she's been singing. I so know. who knows? Who knows? But you guys um, follow us on on Twitter, SwiftishPod13, um, on Instagram, SwiftishPodcast. And then um, until next time, I'm Ashley. And I'm Shelby. And Taylor, we're choosing you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, cheer up, everybody. We'll yeah. see you later. <laughs>